podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Bosco's Boys podcast. Before we get into the episode, my friend Scott is going to tell you about our ads. Yep. So, our sponsors, excuse me. Yeah, our sponsors. So first off, uh, my bookie thinks summer is the greatest time of the year. As you guys remember last week, we adamantly disagree. But my bookie wants me to say summer is the best time of the year. We've got vacation. Well, I don't really do that. We got the beach. I don't live anywhere close to the beach. But of course, there are tons of sports. While you're sipping on your favorite beverage by the pool, why not get a little action in on the games? Whether it's Major League Baseball, MMA, golf, I think Tiger might win another tournament, who knows, or anything else, MyBookie is the place to bet. Their mobile site is easy to use and allows you to make bets from literally anywhere, especially Kansas and Missouri because those state legislatures are stupid and won't pass legalized gambling. So with MyBookie, there's no hassle, no waiting in line, no need to get off the couch. Now is the perfect time to replenish your bank account after that vacation and make sure you have plenty of money to gamble on when football season rolls around. Maybe drop a future on next year's NBA champion, which they already have odds up, by the way. Or your favorite player to win the Heisman. Sky is going to win the Heisman. My bookie is the single greatest place to have fun this summer. And while you're having fun, why not make money? So just visit mybookie.ag today. The best odds makers using the best promo code in the world, world boys, for your 50% deposit bonus. That is boys for 50% deposit bonus. When you play, you win, you get paid. That's right. Also, uh, SeatGeek, they're also riding with us. Everybody knows what SeatGeek is. Um, the main thing about SeatGeek is the coolest thing is they have this little color scheme you guys know what stoplights are, right? Red, bad, don't go. Um, if it's red, it's a pretty bad price. It's a bad deal. Green, it's a, it's a great deal. Yellow, eh, you got to slow down. It's not, you know, proceed with caution. It's not the greatest deal. Um, what's their promo code? Tell them, that Scott. That is going to be ACAA for $20 off your first purchase. If you're in the Kansas City area, you got tons of baseball. you got sport in Kansas City. The U.S. Men's National Team in the Gold Cup is coming to town later this month where you can see – Two games, two international soccer games for the price of one. Scott Wildcat will be there, and you should too. Now, let's play the best podcast intro song in the history of podcast. Come on, boys. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Ooh, Bosco's boys. Come on, boys. All right, Bosco's boys are back, folks. How are we doing? Doing good. Um, got a Dunkin' Cold Brew, which honestly is the single greatest way to intake caffeine, I believe. Really? Yeah, I, I'm i not kidding. Like, I I love it. I love iced coffee and cold brew. I think, even, oh, so you're in, saying cold brew is the best way to intake no, caffeine. No, no, I'm saying, yes, I, I agree it's the most efficient, but I, I'm also going on and say Duncan's version is the best way to 
and take it. I would agree on the cold brew for sure. I haven't had Dunkin's yet, though, so maybe I'll check it out and I could be with you on that. Cold brew is amazing, though. Yeah, I mean, with how much the efficiency of the caffeine, the flavor, and the price, three pronged tack, it's uh, it's the best. You should make your own. It's pretty easy. I might we'll show you how to. I, I do. I do iced coffee sometimes. Although I think my coffee maker is a little off. It's I've like cleaned it a couple times with vinegar. I've tried all this different stuff, but like every, I don't know, something's off because the coffee is not tasting good. So. Yeah, mine just has mold in it right now, so we'll, go, we'll move we'll, on from there. We'll move on from that. So, uh, lots of things happened yeah. recently. Yeah, it's it's crazy. This was one of those weeks where, uh, you know, in the off season, you don't get too many of them. Uh, luckily, it came at a perfect time for us. Um, we'll, we'll get started on something that originally wasn't going to be much of a story, but it ended up turning into a pretty big one. Uh, Xavier Sneed waited until, you know, the final three hours to announce he's coming back uh, to school. Originally, this probably wouldn't have been a story uh, until some really credible folks, John Kurtz and Carlos Robinette came out on the day of saying that, Hey, this is going to come down to the wire. This actually was something that I had heard. And I'd been thinking all, going all the way back to January, going all the way back to March, um, I actually was the first one who said something to Kellis about the, uh, you know, the idea of it. And if you don't believe me, I have the DM receipts <laughs> to show you. But uh, I wasn't, nece- I wouldn't have necessarily been surprised by this. But Bruce Weber came out and said, "Oh, it's a- only a formality. He's just going through the process." All the journalists were saying that. So I kind of fell back off that, and I was like, "All right, well, it sounds like he's going to come back." But it really seems like it ended up being a much bigger decision weighing on him. Oh yeah. And I kind of went – I felt last year, even before this season started, I didn't. I don't have any DM receipts to prove anything, but I was, like, kind of worried that he might – I mean, I figured, you know, he's going to flirt with it, go in similar to Barry did and get some feedback. But I was, like – I had a feeling that he might, he might go because especially after – I think winning, like, a Big 12 championship and losing a big senior class, for me, might have an effect on, on – going pro it's like I can come back for my senior season but we just won the title like I can't go out more on top than that probably so I wouldn't have been surprised my mindset during this just to kind of roll into this question you know I fully expected him to go I mean fully I I had a feeling I I don't know he's just a talented guy and I knew that we knew he would enter the waters but it was shocking and kind of scary but First thoughts, always happiness for the player to get give yourself a chance to showcase, showcase yourself and make a jump to the pros one way or another. But speaking relative to the team, I was pretty disappointed about it because it would have may, may left a just massive hole in our squad. I mean, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so when it was going on, I was actually quasi-fighting people on uh, KSO's boards about it because I am always on board with – players deciding to get money and uh you know start their professional career i don't think anyone else would have in in any field like if i would have decided hey i have a you know six to seven figure job if i left school a year early not a single person in the world would have cared about me doing that except for maybe my parents you know um i i hate when these type of things happen because now all of a sudden fans start to feel entitled and they start mouthing off when at the end of the day you know this is such a major life decision for a guy and his family 
I have a really hard time dealing and reading and seeing how people react to it. So I spent most of the day defending it and basically, you know, fighting with people because it's his choice. It has nothing to do with you. Uh, yes, he plays for the team you like, but at the end of the day, you know, this is a college kid trying to make a life decision. Um, so that was my were my thoughts originally. Um, and I'm just I'm just happy he did come back selfishly, but also because I I didn't want to see the way K State fans would have reacted on Twitter because I mean uh, I I love because anyone who follows me on Twitter they saw me go in on KU a couple times their fans being absolute dickheads to players, and then also Kentucky a couple times this off season when players either don't choose them to go to their school or they're going pro or they're transferring. So there's like a couple fan bases that are obviously worse than any of the others. Um, but I just – I didn't want to see K-State fans. I don't, I don't get enjoyment calling K-State fans out when they're tweeting bad shit at recruits or at players for transferring. I don't get enjoyment out of that. But I'd be a hypocrite if I didn't. It's just – I don't know. I think Twitter has just broken some people's brains – permanently for for at least for now like there's no way give me like 80 90 percent of those people that are feel comfortable tweeting at freaking 18 year olds 18 to 20 year olds about their and the biggest decision that they're making in their life give me 89 percent of those guys and send them down in a room with xavier sneed and they would be like just crumble <laughs> they would fold so fast so it's yeah i mean there's absolutely no place to be upset about somebody deciding to leave for the pros if they have even like a slight chance at making it on some level and he would totally like he's got the talent he may not land a good like nba contract but our greatest one of our greatest of all time has made quite a living over in europe jacob Pullen, he's still playing and it's like he's made tons of money well and then it's a great opportunity look at our guy bill walker who not only in europe but he's playing over in asia cashing a pretty damn good paycheck as well hopefully you yeah. know they remember when they remember to pay you know but yes <laughs> yes as bill told us there's some of those european clubs that are a little late paying but i feel like it would be for some reason it's probably like in turkey like i feel like they probably never pay their players but that's just i don't know why i think that but selfishly yeah it, it would have been a bad loss i think i mean yeah, he I, was our returning lead he would have been returning scorer leading scorer and rebounder and, you know, we already have a scholarship spot open. That would have left two spots open. And we're having difficulty filling one. So, And it would have taken away our senior leader. I mean, it's just – I don't think that you can really – it just would have been a tough a tough loss to adjust to. Yes, uh, but luckily we don't have to. Thank God. I, I feel really good about that. So uh, the talk the night before – Even worse, it would have taken away all – DMX gifs, memes, and Songs. references oh, yeah. for X. So that is another thing that we have to take into account. Yes, that that is very true. I'm glad you brought that up. So um, before he ended up going through and withdrawing his name, the game that was being played were, okay, what are the expectations for the season if he does not return? Well, he is returning, and we touch on this a little bit uh, when the season ended with fan, but since then, good news has left and Austin Trice has left. So I want to kind of run through this exercise again. What do you truly think the expectation for next year should be 
and then maybe give me a ceiling and a floor. So with X back, I mean, I don't. Nothing really changes for me from what we've talked about. I don't remember really what we talked about with fan, but I see it as just an exciting group of guys that have. I think they have a lot of potential. I mean, for me, they sit somewhere between the four and five spot in the Big Twelve, and maybe like an eight to an eleven seed NCAA tournament. But I fully expect us to make the tournament next year. We have too much. There's too much talent on the team not to, and I think that we have a good good enough group of like experiment experience to take us to the tournament. And I believe in our coaching staff as well. I worry about our depth. I feel like, but I feel like we've been I feel like we've been worrying about depth for like three or four years now, and it's just like it never really is that big of a deal. Yeah, I feel like outside of like your true blue bloods, your top. 15 programs everyone has depth depth issues there might be like one position where you're like oh yeah you know we're deep at the guards or some some schools they only play one big and they have two or three that are serviceable and they feel okay there um so i agree the depth is going to be something that we talk about most of the winter but again you have to look at things on a spectrum you know as much as we love k-state they're not in a position where you're going to be able to stack positions three, four deep with, you know, all league caliber guys. So I think we'll be fine. Um, I like where you said four between four and five. I think that the ceiling probably going into the year, if you put a gun to my head, I would say three. Same. The floor would probably be seven or eight. Um, but in both those scenarios, I, I, and maybe I'm getting bullish. Maybe I'm, I don't know. Maybe what I'm about to say is asinine, and I hope I, I hope that's not true. But I think the floor is the play-in game of the NCAA. I don't see a scenario where this team doesn't make the tournament. I think when you have Xavier Sneed, Cartier Jada, and as much as I like to bag on Mac, when he can say all oh, foul trouble, he's a legitimate guy. And you have these young guards coming into play, uh, getting more minutes coming into their own. I just I don't see us not making the tournament. So that's where my head's at. I pretty much I forgot to say my ceiling and floor, but I was going to say third or seven or eight. So we pretty much fall exactly in the same. The thing that sticks to me sticks out to me the most with this the guys returning is just how like we have a, so many players that are very versatile that can like just be fluid throughout multiple positions, and that's just super exciting because you don't have to have that depth that we were talking about because other guys can move in other positions. Yeah, I don't think we're going to challenge to defend our defend our crown, but but I mean maybe not. I mean I think Texas Tech and Baylor both have great recruiting classes, have a lot of stuff coming in. KU is KU. It's not a typical recruiting class for them, uh, but they did have, you know, their big guys come back, which I think that's going to be scary. I I, I think trying to guard, uh, you know, KU in the post might be a little tough, but luckily we won't have to worry about that for a little bit. But, I mean, things could fall into place. Crazier things have happened. Um, but, you know, we'll move on from the expectations part of it and talk about uh, – okay, sorry, you opened your mouth. Uh, I don't know. I just was going to add on. I'm I'm excited about Sneed being the guy because we're used to him being like tertiary. Yeah, the the three or four guy that when he plays well, he takes us to another level. But it's going to be exciting to see him when this is his team now. I mean, well, also if he would have left 
the swagger component might have came down a little bit because <laughs> he ha- he's like one of those dudes who he walks in and he especially when he's wearing his headband he's a headband guy and he I mean he's not going to be super loud he's not going to be taunting but he's a dude who just can jump out of the gym and wearing great shoes and he I mean between him and Cardi and the young guards like the swagger level is going to be through the roof and I you love know, Cardi Dean was super white bread and you know I I love Cam but you know. The swaggiest thing he did was wear his Virgin Island uh, T-shirt during warm-ups. And Barry, Barry had a little bit of swag to him. But now, you know, these dudes, these guys drip swagger. Yeah, so it's going to be I'm, good. I'm pumped for that. Um, <clears throat> lastly, on Xavier Sneed, before we move on, uh, at the KC Catbackers event, which sadly we ended up not being able to go to. Grant, I think you just had, had some life stuff. Yeah, life stuff happened. And uh, me, uh, I'm – Sadly, covering for, uh, not even kidding, covering basically two full jobs. Uh, I won't get into the to, into all of it, but, you know, do, doing a lot of stuff at work, and I wasn't able to get out of the office to then drive 30 minutes to Olathe to make it in time. But there was a little bit of news that came out of this. This was reported by Kellis Robinette because uh, they asked Chris Lowry about Xavier Sneed coming back, and they were mentioning, oh, yeah, he's probably going to play the four – isn't that right? And Chris Lowry shut that down. He straight up said, no, Xavier Sneed is going to play the three and they're going to put Montavious Murphy and Antonio Gordon into the fire at that four spot. So first off, A, do you believe Chris Lowry when you say, (laughs) when he says that and B, what are some pros and cons? If that is to be true, A, how much of that was just like a selling point? Were they selling, the three spots yours, man. Come back. This is well, your three spot. He had already spot. announced he was coming back, so at that okay. point the sell job was over. Well, maybe they. I mean, he had to keep it going, though. I mean, I don't know. I mean, uh, I know he spent a lot of a lot of time at the four last season, and I think when Dean was out, right? Know. I think it'll be more fluid, like like I said earlier. He, he'll probably start at the three spot, spend a lot of time there, but I see him playing some of the four for sure, um, just through necessity. Um, I like him being in the three spot, though. It's more comfortable for him. Um, I think he thrives more in that position um, than being at the four. But X is so multi-talented, I think it's really splitting hairs. I think he does a good job at both spots. So B, I think it's exciting to give the opportunities for the young guys to play early. Kind of scary. You never really know with incoming freshmen. um, They could handle it. You just don't know that it's such a big jump in competition and game speed. On one hand, they could hit the ground running, take it with stride, and that could give them great early experience, big confidence boost. On the other hand, they could struggle and they could start poorly, and that could damage their confidence for a long time and be difficult to recover. So, but selfishly, I want to see new recruits play. So I'm excited. I don't know. Yeah, so I don't believe it at all. <laughs> yeah. And and that's not – and part of that does have to be because I've gotten in – not some arguments, but some conversations with folks uh, about Montavious Murphy especially. I think he's going to be good, so what I'm about to say is not an indictment of him. But to say that Montavious Murphy is going to start and X is going to be at the three, in my head, because X and all the guards are so versatile – I think that's basically would be the coaches saying that they value getting Montavious Murphy on the floor over either Dejuan Gordon, the four-star from Chicago, or maybe even uh, Sean Neal Williams. Because if you have X 
starting at the three, then that's probably going to slide Cartier Jada to the point guard. And then all of a sudden, Mike McGurl is the odds on favorite to start as the two guard. In my head, I think that a guy like Sean Neal Williams, who's finally going to get a full offseason in the program, Mike McGurl, who is now going to be a junior, and then a guy like Dejuan Gordon, who I think might be possibly the best recruit Bruce has ever brought in. I th- I mean, Chicago Player of the Year, top 100, four-star. I am so excited about that guy. I just have a hard time believing they're going to be so blown away by Montavious Murphy or even, to a lesser extent, Antonio Gordon uh, to play the lineup like that. I want to see a starting lineup of Sean Neal Williams, Mike McGurl, Cartier Jada, Xavier Sneed, McCall Maywin with Dejuan Gordon first off the bench. That's what I want to see. So that's why I have a very hard time seeing that. Now, the pro, if that is to happen, would mean Montavious Murphy came in and just blew the doors down. Like, if you can't keep him off the floor. So if that's the case, then awesome, because we got a much better player than I'm anticipating. Ultimately, I trust this. I trust the coaching staff. They're going to put the best five guys out there. So be that X at the three or the four and Montavious Murphy starting, who knows? But we're a long ways away. I think things will sort themselves out. Um, I did watch Montavious Murphy like a mixtape the other day, and he is, looks fun. But he, it he seemed like every be- player that he played against was like literally two feet shorter than him. Well, I mean, he played in Houston, so he, he, he got a lot better uh, competition than Antonio Gordon did in Oklahoma. Probably not as good – good as Dejuan got in Chicago. But I watched a mixtape that he had out. Like, 25% of his buckets Just were Just violent dunks. Well, and it was like put-back dunks, which I love. My favorite thing in all of basketball is a dude flying in from the wing just. and just two-hand rebound slam. Oh, yeah. I love he that. loves to, like, flex, too. Yeah. So, I, 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 again, I'm looking forward to the guy, and I actually think that – between those two and then Antonio, uh, or is it Antoine? I think it's Antonio. I think it's Antonio. Yeah, it's Antonio. <laughs> uh, I think between those three, I think it's going to be a very solid class. Will they, you know, live up to the three wise men, as I'm going to call them, of Cam, Dean, and Barry? Probably not, because that's something we've never seen before. But you know what? I like this, you know, having three dudes in a class. One thing that Bruce said about Dejuan Gordon, too, is that he's like, he's a gym rat. Like, mentioned, the way he talks about Antonio Gordon a little bit like he talks about Barry Brown, about how... Oh yeah, I'm sorry, Dejuan Gordon. We're gonna need crap. They both Gordons. Name. That's right. Um, yeah, he talks about Dejuan similar, t- similarly to to Barry, and it's exciting. And I just it made me like smile listening to John Kurtz's podcast, the third episode, when he's like texting Bruce, <laughs> like eleven days. I'll be there in eleven days, and he like had to pull him aside on a visit to like tell him, all right, I want to commit because these other guards are here. I got to commit. So he wants to be at K-State, and that's exciting. So, I don't know. You don't often see that player that's like, I really, it feels like he already has a big connection to the school. So I know. I'm I'm. So I'm just pumped. It's exciting to just, I don't know. It's a new era. It yeah. just feels like, it just feels exciting to me. I don't it, know. It is exciting, and it's really good to feel this way about basketball again. I know a lot of folks really 
came down after that, you know, round of 64 exit, and it was tough. But it's just – it just feels good to be in love with the basketball team again. Um, we've said before, and I'll say it again, you know, those years of burning it down, like, it just wasn't fun. This is No, fun. it sucks. This is fun. Loving the basketball team is fun, so. Accepting um, who we are, too, is, like, we're, like – it's good to have high expectations like all the time, but it's like, come on. If you have like a slightly down year, you don't need to like be calling to fire the head well, coach. Here, here's the thing. Two big 12 championships in seven years and one elite eight. I mean, That's I'll good. take a seven year stretch of that every single year, no matter, for sure. No matter what comes from it. Like, like people like to cherry pick and you know point out the two down seasons and the fact that that elite eight runs the only time we got out of the first round. All of that is one hundred percent. Yeah, valid but we went truth. to the elite eight. Like. I know, I know. All of that is valid, but that is I I like that. I I will take the two Big Twelve championships and the one elite eight. If you won't, that's fine. I'm today's not a day I'm going to tell you how to be a fan. But what I am going to say is I will take that, and I love being all in on Bruce and this team. I think a lot of people would trade that too. Like a lot of schools from other teams would be like, Oh yeah, I would take two two conference titles and an Elite Eight run in a heartbeat. Yeah, and again, not this isn't my the, I'm I'm not <laughs> trying to get preachy with you, but like so many folks and I was one of them was so we're so in love with Frank Martin. I still love Frank Martin. I like his passion. I like the way his teams play basketball. I, I will not say a bad thing about Frank Martin, but Frank Martin never got to the second weekend more than his Elite Eight run. Yes, he almost always won that first-round game, but who cares? Like, yes, w- winning that first round is fun, but if you're not going to make it to the second weekend, there's nothing substantial, right. uh, substantially different from losing from that first game. And for as fun as his teams were, he still never got over that threshold of winning the Big 12. Um Yes, he went on to win, go to the Final Four of South Carolina, all that stuff. Love Frank Martin. This isn't an anti-Frank podcast, but the folks that are still continuing to beat the drum against Bruce, I'm just – I don't know. I don't think there's many programs in the nation. There's probably less than 10 programs in the nation that wouldn't take this seven-year run. Totally. And, I mean, we've talked about in this. In a vacuum. I know there, there, I know there are more than – probably 10 that like their run better but sure. in a vacuum if you go to almost any fan base they're taking it i agree i would definitely agree and we've talked about this a million times but i think 80 not 80 to 90 percent of the people that are so anti-bruce or were so anti-bruce was because they just liked frank so much and they didn't like to see him go but not to beat a dead horse because we have talked about that probably multiple times on here. So yep. we can probably move on. Yes, we will move on. And you mentioned the podcast. John Kurtz, friend of the podcast. We're going to have to get him on soon. He has a new podcast called Faithful to Our Colors. It's part of the 435 Podcasting Network at Six Ten Sports here out of Kansas City. He had Bruce Weber on the most recent episode, and you already mentioned it. Anyone who hasn't listened to it yet should give it a listen because it's some really good stuff. But the thing that really stuck out to me was Bruce talking about that final scholarship spot open. He mentioned that he was really going to be looking at the uncommitted players on Team USA, but even more so to those foreign teams. So I want to talk about recruiting. When it comes down to it, do you like hearing Bruce just flat out saying that on a podcast? Or are you disappointed that's come to this point with this recruiting? Um, I mean, it's one scholarship spot. You know, I, I'm pleased with this class. I, I don't know when you look at it on a macro level, the guys that we've missed out on. These guys 
are essentially as good or the same, maybe better. I mean, when you look at like the rankings and how they finally play out, like it, recruiting is just it's a it's not an exact science. I mean, it it, it evolves all the time and I think with what we've ended up with, I'm pretty pleased. It does kind of suck that we've missed out on some guys in the later period to fill this scholarship, but none of those guys I really was, like, super into. I think it's kind of interesting that he's like, I'm going to be looking at these foreign players, and it gives I think it gives Bruce an opportunity to just – it helps him get his name out there. He's going to get to see other guys from other countries and – You've, we've had we've had teams in conference that have had great success with foreign players. I mean, just Texas Tech last year. I don't know much about like the the U nineteen World Cup, but I imagine Canada's in it, and well, they're yeah. loaded with talent. <laughs> so maybe there's just, there's some uncommitted guys on the Canadian team that we could scope out. Because I don't know, but it's just like I think it's interesting. I don't think it's like that disappointing, in my opinion, that we've it's come down to that because whatever. Yeah, I, I are we look- really gonna get much out of this final scholarship, anyways? Like, it seems like in basketball rosters, there's so much turnover in those those last scholarships that it's just like, you know, we can take a punt on a guy and get really lucky, or this just might be another guy that's gonna come in and we don't see play hardly at all. So it, I just don't think it's a huge deal. Yeah, no, I nothing you say I necessarily disagree with. Uh, first, I'll touch on the World Cup thing. Uh, there's a handful of American guys uncommitted, and then there's some 2020 guys. So, again, we said it on maybe last part of the pod before. I think this is a great opportunity for Bruce and Shane to, you know, get to know these kids, build a relationship. Yeah, Who knows, even maybe. guys on the own team that he's going to yes. be coaching, that gives them an, an opportunity to see, wow, maybe I really, really like playing for Bruce Weber. So yeah, exactly. It there's, could just be, like, super lucky. I mean, yeah. who there, knows? There's a handful of them. Uh, and then when it comes to the foreign guys, I actually like hearing this, and I – I have no idea how everything is structured with the World Cup, but I would, you know, basically tell Shane Southwell, once you get there, hey, you're just watching all of these. You have to have, like, this book of every committed player, and when guys stick out to you, boom, take it back to Bruce, start recruiting the kid after the tournament. I would love to just get some – hell, I would take – this is bad because we're getting pretty late into the summer, but I'd take two – foreign kids and run off one of the as long as one of them's a big and run someone off um that's a nasty thing about college athletics but you know i if bruce sees a guy who he thinks can play and he's not gonna go to college i want him to take a swing um so that's why i think about the foreign thing but when it comes to having this open scholarship i understand some of the angst though because even right when we started this podcast we left a scholarship open which eventually led to uh, good news filling it for the year. But all focus was on this recruiting class, and I understand some of the frustration uh, because you have two really great guys, two guys I think almost every team in the conference would take, and Dejuan and Montavious Murphy. And then Antonio, that's a little bit of a project, but the dude was a bucket machine in Oklahoma. I mean, the guy was averaging like close to 30 points a game and 12 rebounds and some assists. Like, he was almost uh, averaging a triple-double. I know that's not great competition, but he's still one of the best players in the state of Oklahoma. Um, But having that open scholarship and just kind of looking around and you see some of the guys you missed on and you project them being added to this class – I understand it because 
everything was focused on this class. We basically were working towards this class for two years. So I, I, I understand the frustration going into, you know, into June. The signing period's already gone yeah. without having that filled. So I understand some of the frustration. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of with you, but at the end of the day, I'm pretty happy with – I think we'll all be happy with what we have. And and when you look at the guys that we missed out on, again, they're they're pretty similar, pretty similar guys. So, yeah, I but, don't know. Yeah, but I think the – the devil's advocate is, hey, but you have one open. Yeah, that's true. You we still it. have one we're trying to get. So, And you ended up not even kind of running off, you know, because all the projections were you're going to run off two guys. Well, you only ran off one. Yeah. So, I mean, I, again, I understand it, but, you know, it is, it is what it is. It it's is frustrating it is. because and it did feel like we would be able to play off of winning this title and that Elite Eight run, and it just didn't really catch fire for us. And, and what I keep forgetting to mention inside all of this is David Sloan, that Juco point guard. At one point, this guy was a top 100 rated guy. He had academic issues, which then made him go to a prep school, and it didn't work out, and then he had to go to Juco. So he has two years to play, too, and this is a guy who – Historically, has shown he can ball. So I, we've kind of passed over him. Completely forgot about yeah, him. And I think it's because we are so excited about Sean Neal Williams that he, at least us as a podcast, yeah. some people are down on him. But that's another thing that I, I haven't even I haven't mentioned a couple times. But I I wanted to give him a shout out. So I, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it. But here here's where the crux comes to it. This is where a lot of fans kind of get their frustration. So we look at this recruiting class and think of it as one of the best recruiting classes we've had in a while. This, you know, by all the ranking services and all that type of stuff, is one of the best recruiting classes Bruce has ever had and probably a top five recruiting class since the rebirth of K-State basketball. But it's still eighth in the Big 12. Yes, a lot of schools in the Big 12 ended up having a really good year recruiting, but we're only behind – Baylor and Iowa State, and I mentioned Baylor's having a good class earlier in this show. I meant that they're returning a good class. So right. I just want to correct myself. So only Baylor and Iowa State are behind us. Does that change anything when it comes to you? Because that that is discouraging for me because we lo- love this class so much, but then turns out, well, we're all, we only recruit better than two schools, <laughs> the two worst schools in I'm the Big used 12. To it. No. Um, but still, I mean, it's it's discouraging. It feels, it feels discouraging somewhat, um, but I don't know. When you take a step back and you look at what this staff does with its players, and our best, the best three of the best players we've had in school history just graduated, and they were ra- rated pretty poorly as a class. Well, Dean was a four star. Dean was a four star, but I mean, those guys coming in together, Barry, we took a chance on Barry. And Cam was not very highly rated. But, I mean, it's – I don't know. It's just can – what what matters most is can these guys buy into the program and work hard and want to be at K-State. That's really what it's – it comes down to it in college for a school like K-State. You know, we're not going to be reloading every year with blue-chip talent. It's the four-year guys that makes our our runs what they are. And it's what makes the program strong, I think. And I feel like this could be another group of those guys, maybe, you know? I agree. The uh, devil's advocate to the recruiting rankings is, hey, 
these are three guys that will probably be three or four year contributors and a guy who will contribute for his two years. And it's also about how they fit into the program you're trying to build. Um, I think, I, I think stars matter. I think recruiting rankings have shown there's a direct correlation to recruit well, you're going to win. I'm not one of those people who for sure who is I like, mean, oh, I stars agree. don't matter. But at the same time, you do have to see how the puzzle pieces fit. Like, yeah, stars definitely matter. Like majority of the time, like occasionally, yeah, you get like a three star guy who's like a 15 year NFL vet, but like that's not very that doesn't happen very often. Stars obviously matter. People do this for a living for a reason, and. Um, I'm happy that Deja see I'm very happy that Dejuan Gordon is now a four star instead of a three star. We can we can feel good about that cuz stars matter. Yes, they do. Um we're going to completely move away from basketball and what has turned into a late May tradition. The first 3 kickoff times and television partners have been announced. In typical fashion, because uh, it's been the rule, not the exception, that the opener is going to be a night game and played with third-tier rights. What has changed, though, for the first time in a long time, it will not be broadcast through KStateHD.tv, but ESPN+. Plus. We will chat about ESPN+, Plus a little bit, but that kickoff versus Nickel State will be a 6 p.m. game to kick off the climbing era on ESPN+. Plus. Then week two, Bowling Green is going to come to town. That will be that 11 a.m. game on FSN, which is honestly the worst part of that game. I don't. We said last week we don't mind the 11 a.m. game, but the FSN sucks because it's like the worst, worst TV broadcast. But who knows? Maybe they'll surprise us this year. But I'll be at the game, so it doesn't really matter. And finally, we'll finish off with the Mississippi State game. 11 a.m. for the second straight year. It is being flexed. It will either be on ESPN or ESPN2. Um, so what are your thoughts or takes on the first three kickoff times and television partners? Um, not surprised. Nichols State, I mean, it's the family reunion. It's always a 6 p.m. game pretty much. Um, I always feel – I'm excited. I mean, obviously, I'm really, really excited because it's – it's the climbing era. First game, it's just gonna be. It's gonna be great. I cannot wait to watch. Like I'm gonna be just soaking in every little detail of that game, and I'm very excited because the last like three or four years, the first game has just sucked for me. So it's been so hot. Last year's game sucked because we almost lost. The year before that, it was like, who's that? That was 2000. That was Ertz. Was that Ertz? Well, didn't we? One of the games we like killed a team, and it was like, all right, that was fun. What was the game where DJ Reed ran, like, the first kickoff back? Yeah, that was two years. But, like, that game as a whole was not very much fun. We couldn't run at all. It was just boring. It was yeah, just very, I'm, very hot. I'm blanking on some of them. I know one year I think we opened up at Stanford, right? Wasn't that the That was the opener? 2016 year. Yeah, was that the season opener? It was. You were there. Yes, I was. That was honestly one of the best trips ever. That Thursday night before the game – was amazing just some tiny little bar in palo alto by the end of the night there were just a ton of k-state fans they played hero by enrique iglesias they played sandstorm i kissed this girl from kentucky Ooh. oh yeah that, that game was, awesome. was but you, the game sucked 
That game sucked. Oh, my God, dude. I'm so angry. I know. Thinking about not, that not game. Not like Vanderbilt angry, but oh, that, was, that was crappy. But, no, like, I'm just thinking back. Like, <laughs> Had we played them a little bit later in the year, I think we would have won. Well, I think if we w- just would have played well that game. Carmichael Moore won. stepped out of bounds on a uh, fumble return. Uh, and Mike. Uh, oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah, that's in the past. Um, but the two 11 o'clock games, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm not surprised that the Mississippi State is another 11 o'clock game. Um, I haven't looked at the lineups of that week, and I kind of want to pull it up to see what what that week looks like in the landscape of college football games. But this isn't like some marquee matchup. No, I'm not shocked. Both teams are coming into the year like <laughs> with big question marks. Well, not only that, but considered worse off than they were last year. I For think sure. People were really disappointed that it was an 11 o'clock game last oh, yeah. year. We had like an entire podcast like super upset about because we were hoping it was going to be a night game. And oh, I think man. in one of our earliest episodes, we even came up with a scenario where it could be college game day. Uh, yeah. We were just dumb little kids back then. Uh, we'll never get college game day again. No, we probably won't. Um, but I'm I, again, I'm not surprised either. I'm actually super pumped. As I've said a couple times on this podcast, my cousin's getting married that day. And oh, yeah. the 11 a.m. time slot's the only one where I would even have a shot at being able to see it all. Um, I, I don't even know what time the wedding starts, but there's no there's no like wedding start that a 2.30 game could possibly be seen in its entirety. There's no wedding time that a night slot could be seen in its ent- uh, the entirety. So the 11 a.m. game is giving me some hope. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Um, part of me was really – I was holding out hope because Thursday night games were not – announced yet for that week so i was holding out hope for a scenario where that was a thursday night game and i could still go to the game and then drive all day friday to make it back but wow there aren't very many good games this weekend is that is it just gonna make me depressed there really aren't i mean kentucky iowa iowa state that's like el asico yeah (laughs) el asico that's a good um and then like florida kentucky that's like pretty much it man yeah, that's... Uh, what, what are the night games? That's it. Um, night games are Texas Tech, Arizona, nothing. There's, like, nothing. That's kind of disappointing. <laughs> Florida State, Virginia, Clemson, Syracuse, not much. Probably the big, the marquee night game, I'm guessing, is Florida, Kentucky. TCU and Purdue, that's a weird one. Anyways, it sucks. But that's absolutely <laughs> Yeah. That's I, annoying. I was like I was excited that I was excited that was gonna be eleven name but when you read all those off, the fact that there's no both K State and Mississippi State are that low, but oh well, we'll move on. Speaking of Mississippi State, um, Isaiah Zuber has joined up with the Bulldogs for his final year of his college career. Um, is there any part of you that got angry when you saw he was going to our week three opponent? Angry, no. Annoyed a little bit. I mean, I kind of laughed about it, the fact that he went to Mississippi State. I wish him the best in his life and his career. You know, he's gone, though, so I, I just – when players transfer, I kind of just immediately stop thinking about them. I mean, I don't know. I'm not like – I don't have any – I'm not mad at him, you know. It's just – he. if you, if I imagine it's myself, like, why did he transfer? Like, why would I have transferred, right? Like – you just don't know. It's he wanted to change the scenery, even if that was if it was just that. Then okay, that's his life, you know. He doesn't. I wouldn't want a player to stay at K State if he's like, I don't want to be here. 
I'm unhappy. Well, no, you know? and it's not about I, I. It's not about him. Transferring. It just sucks so that he's it, playing. Yes. we're going to be playing two of our old players probably this year. Well, yeah, I don't care about Dalton because he wasn't around with install. Isaiah right. Zuber, while he wasn't practicing, he was in the meetings. He was a part of the install. So I am a little annoyed that he is going to a program because he's a grad transfer. There was no opportunity to block it. Chris Kleiman doesn't strike me as a guy who would have blocked it anyways. Um, and he also gave a quote at the KC Catbackers to Kels Robinette, something along the lines of, we're happy he's getting the change of scenery. It was something that he needed. And those quotes along with the timing, I said it last week, I think that it is, I think it is far less likely it was Isaiah Zuber doing this all on his own. At a minimum, it was a mutual decision up to the point where I'd even say that it was a, hey, you should probably just leave. Right, um, and if they came to that decision knowing knowing what our receiver core is, like that we – if we let Isaiah Zuber go, we're going to have to have some serious, like, guys step up. Well, we're yeah. going to be hurting. Well, I mean, and here's the crazy thing. So that kind of adds a little more to it. Like, maybe something was going on. I think something <clears throat> was going on, but we'll move on from that because I, I have a fun little trivia question for you. <laughs> We're now returning almost nothing receiving-wise. <laughs> but before Isaiah Zuber was going to Mississippi State, how many yards receiving was their leading receiver coming back? How many yards did he have last year? On, in our – No, Mississippi on their State. Team. Mississippi oh. State's leading returning receiver. Oh, how God. many yards receiving? That's just – I have no idea. Um, <laughs> just take a guess. Like as a – No. The next best guy. No. The, or as yeah. an entire no, the, core. No, the guy. The guy. Okay. Uh, so, God like, for damn. us, it is now Dalton Show. Dalton Show. Okay. Uh, how many yards? Let's see. I don't know. I don't know if this seems like a big trick question here. I'm going to say, like, 500. Yeah, 450. Okay. So, they were so not they were hurting, too. Straits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it God, makes that, sense you know, that he's going there. It's crazy because Zuber only had, like, 560, 560 yards or so last year, and he was our – like easily our most reliable guy, so we're kind of in the same boat, us, us and the Bulldogs. Lots of running in that game, so it'll be a short game, hopefully. So <laughs> there we'll, will be a ton of running. We'll move <clears throat> on to that from this, and it's going to be our last main topic of the uh, of the show. So the Big Twelve just announced that they distributed just south of four hundred, or not four hundred, forty million dollars per school based on the media rights deals. So when you take into account also each team owning their third tier rights, the big 12 was only behind the sec and big 10 when it came to conference payouts. So the liberal coastal elite media would never let you think that that little old big 12 is in front of the ACC and the PAC 12, but facts are facts and facts don't care about your feelings. They made Shut more up. money than those <laughs> stupid conferences. Uh, and then also, so along the same line, this is something that was announced a while ago, but we haven't talked about it. Starting in 2019, K-State's third-tier rights are migrating over to ESPN+, Plus, along with three other Big 12 schools. KU's one of them. And what that means for K-State fans is that one game, football game a year, and all of the non-conference home basketball games that aren't picked up by a national TV partner, along with the you know non-revenue sports you know they're now going to be over there as well right are going to espn plus which is going to cost folks five bucks a month so that is something we haven't talked about 
Uh, four other schools are going to migrate over in 2020. And then in 2021, when the Longhorn Network and Oklahoma's third tier right deals expire, they will also join all the conferences, creating almost like a quasi Big 12 network on the ESPN Plus platform. So are you a fan of this change in the third tier rights? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I'm not like – I don't have much to say about it, but I like ESPN Plus quite a bit. Um, I Especially since you don't have to pay for well, it. Well, I, I bought it. I oh, eventually bought it. I was I was stealing our ACA guys, Andrews, for a while. I wasn't stealing. He gave it to me. But um, I decided I just was going to buy it. It's only 5 bucks a month, and it's got a lot of good content on it, especially I feel like when the college football season hits, it's going to be good. It's going to have, like, a lot of action. And um, I don't know. I had a lot of good basketball games on there. It's got, like, college baseball going on right now. And for you soccer so, fans, tons of soccer. Lots of soccer, of soccer too. Um, it's good. It's it's cheap, and it's, like, it. I like that we have that as a home. So it just makes things easier. It's accessible. I know where to find it. I will, I'm, I'm excited about it. And I think the Big 12 is in pretty darn good shape. Yeah, and we're – we're both streamers. We cut the cord, so it's not nearly as big of a deal for us. But I think about folks like my parents. Like, I'm going to, you know, mom yeah. and dad, I know you're listening. Love you guys. Um, <laughs> I'm going to have to teach them how to, you know, create a login. They're going to have to do that. Uh, you know, I'm, I, they might have to get like a Roku stick or, you know, my dad knows how to, you know, take the laptop and plug it in with a, you know, HDMI <laughs> cable. So, uh, I, I, I'm a little concerned for them because, like, I, I think, again, mainly because of college basketball, the non-con, because me and my dad will be at that home opener. Um, so that won't that won't matter. So I think about the older generation K-State fans, and those are still, like, the K-State fans who, you know, couldn't figure out how to stream the non-con this year. Like, it's going to be easier for them because there was a thread every single basketball game on KSO about, oh, why did Watch ESPN black out the the K-State game? Well, if you live in Kansas or Kansas City, it was on Fox Sports Go. Well, now you don't have to worry about that. It's going to be there. Yes, it's going to be there. But just this added thing. I know some folks are being like, rabble, 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 $5 more, rabble, rabble, rabble. First off, Five bucks, like, get over it. Like, you can find that in loose change. Like, K-State fans are rich and they smell good. I'm sure you and can. they're strong. And they're strong. You can five, find $5 a month for this. And, and we're so, strong. You can take it from someone. Just yes, go just find steal, someone and take steal five, $5. Take their money. Uh, I do understand that, apparently, and this is something I've never had to deal with because I've lived in Topeka, Kansas City and Manhattan and for a summer Salina but apparently internet speeds in rural areas is a issue. Yeah, I guess. that would be tough. So I, I can see that. So that might be an issue for some, but you know, I'm excited about it. I think that we're I think come 2030 cable is dead. Like I think everything will be internet-based streaming. So getting ahead of the game is going to be good. It's going to increase third-tier payouts for all schools except for probably Texas, Oklahoma, and when those get brought up, I could almost see the Longhorn Network shifting into a linear Big 12 network. Um, we'll see. So I'm not I'm not overly worried about it. I think it's a good move for the Big 12. Um, you know, I'm, I'm hoping some new content comes from it. I'm not going to hold my breath. 
K State Golf Channel. Yeah, K State Golf Channel. <laughs> I, I, I the History really, Channel is a great the idea. His, yeah, I really even if it's like Big Twelve history. We may know? try to do a history episode, but it's going to be like in an entire year from now. Yes, <laughs> it's going to take a lot of work. Yes, it probably will never happen, but I yeah. like the idea of it. I mean, we there's a lot of things that are probably never going to happen. For a while, we thought we oh, were yeah. going to do a 24 hour <laughs> podcast, and I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> that was just that was just booze talking. I would have needed a lot of coffee, uh, but you know. It, uh, I'm excited for it. It'll force me to finally do it. Um, also, uh, as a soccer guy, the U.S. Open Cup is going to be on ESPN+. Plus. I'm going to do that before sporting's game at Minnesota. So I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to it. Um, but, yeah, I think that's all we have. Um, programming notes, unless something dramatically changes for Dad Pod this year, uh, similar to Mom Pod, it'll be broken out into two separate spots, but it'll be full-length episodes. I believe myself and Kevin will be in your feeds next week, and then Malcolm and Malcolm will be the following week after Father's Day. So we'll have two full-length Dad Pod uh, episodes for you guys, and then you know after that, it's going to be a June Q&A show. It's never too late to, or early to start submitting questions using hashtag Ask Bosco will definitely be pounding the nail on the head to get those in later on this month. Um, I think that's all I got. That's it. Be on the lookout. There might be uh, some news, some possible news. We're about to have a little meeting here, a little rebranding going on. It's going to be exciting. Be on the lookout. You might see some alternate logos, some new merch coming soon. So stay tuned to the Twitter feed. We might start getting a little bit more active on Instagram. Um, we'll be pimping some stuff out in the tw- on everywhere, just everywhere. Check out um, my bookie, my bookie, Seat Geek. Seat Geek, love you guys. Well, I thought about the army. Dad said, "Son, you're fucking high," and I thought, "Yeah, there's a first for everything." So I took my old man's advice. Three sad semesters. It was only fifteen grand. Spinning bed. I thought about the army. Got a job at Chick-fil-A
rejection God please spare me more rejection Cause my peers they criticize me And my ex-wives all despise me Try to put it all behind me But my redneck past is nipping and my Podcast Network.